On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about the military. Yeah, it's Veterans Day. You know what got me thinking about this topic, Jacob? This is November 11th. It used to be called Armistice Day. They signed the treaty to end World War One, mm-hmm. and they commemorated it on this day. I remember my dad used to say 11th day, 11th month, 11th day, 11th hour. Supposedly that's when they signed the armistice that ended World War I. Uh, I think maybe it was Eisenhower who changed it and made it Veterans Day to, to, to remember those who fought in all wars defending our country. So the idea of military and military activity and soldiers serving in the military, I thought It'd be a good question because, you know, sometimes we take things for granted. Is it something that is right for a Christian to do, to serve in the military? That's the question we want to ask. All right. It is going to be an important discussion. Lots of uh, feedback so far and opportunities for you to put yours in as well. We're going to get started on the discussion right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study. It's already been mentioned that this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, November 11th, 2021. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Great to be with you, Jacob. Good to be with you. Kyle is here. Kyle? Yeah, it's good to be here. Glad that you're here. Glad that you're listening. And again, we'll mention that we want your comments if you haven't signed in yet. We got several emails that have come in, Jacob, but we got the chat room window open. We see Dwight in Iowa and Brian in California, uh, Grant up in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, and uh, we need a lot more. So get in there and identify yourself and let's talk. Uh, let's talk it over. Uh, uh, this is an, an important discussion. Uh, probably going to have folks on both sides of the aisle on this one. Um, yeah, and, you know, I, I think maybe we should start out by saying, well, let's be respectful of everybody's conscience in the matter. Uh, I, I, I'm going to just jump right out front and say where I'm going to go. I, my answer to the question, may a Christian serve in the military, is going to be yes. But I know... A qualified yes. A qualified yes. Uh, but I know Christians who very conscientiously feel like they could not. Uh, and if, you know, the principle of Romans 14.23 is inviolate. You've got to honor your conscience. If you act contrary to your conscience, it's a sin. Whether the thing is actually sinful or not, if you think it is or have conscience issues about it and you do it, then that is a sin. And so, you know, we, we, we certainly want to respect people's personal conscience in the matter. And, and as always, you've got to honor your conscience. Okay. But there are scriptural principles that we want to apply to the discussion tonight, and we look forward to looking at those with you and hope you stay tuned. And that you have your Bible out and you're ready to follow along as we look at what the scriptures teach. Not what we think, not what we've been told, but what do the scriptures teach and that, what are some principles that can help us determine the answer to the question? You know, there is no verse in the Bible that explicitly says you can serve in the military. We're going to have to apply biblical principles uh, to answering this question. I think that's right. 
Okay. So to our update list earlier today, we sent out these questions, and it's what we hope to discuss in our study tonight. If you're not on our list, get on the list by sending an email to questions at collegeview.com. Say, add me to the list, and we will. Here are the questions we sent out. Number one, what is the God-given role of civil government? Number two, can Christians serve in any capacity? We're not talking just exclusively about military. Could you be, could you be a tax collector? Could you be a, uh, could you work on a road crew? Uh, for the for civil government agency, can you work in any capacity? If and then follow up. If your answer to that's yes, would that include serving in the capacity of a punitive agent? And we'll explain that when we get to it. And then another follow up to that: Is there a distinction to be drawn between an individual serving in a government's righteous punitive action versus someone participating in an unrighteous aggression? On the part of government, and that's going to go to be that's going to go to what you said earlier, Jacob, about our qualifying our answer. Number three, what has been God's consistent rule through the ages on killing? Would an agent of the government who kills a person be in violation of this principle? Number four, Christians are commanded to love their enemies, be peaceful individuals, follow the golden rule, be merciful, avoid personal vengeance, and so forth. Would serving in the military cause a Christian to violate these principles? And then number five, and this we'll wrap up with this. This is kind of a conundrum. This is kind of a, this kind of almost makes your mind warp. If Christians in one country can serve in combat, then so can Christians in another country. Therefore, Christians would be fighting Christians. How are you going to how are you going to address those who object in that way? And I've heard that objection. Yeah. yeah. So how are we going to deal with that? All right. Uh, jump in the chat room. Uh, the listeners are continue to sign in there. Sign in with the chat room and comment with other listeners tonight on this important topic. All right. So the God given role of government. We've talked about that many times, but it is important that we repeat that. And uh, because Christians do need to keep this in perspective especially with all of the um, turmoil that's in the world today. We need to keep these things in perspective. Well, you know, government, uh, for instance, our own government here in the United States or even on the state or local level, government has gotten put its fingers into a lot of different pies, uh, which may or may not be good. Uh, but they, there's, a, there's a principal role that God has assigned to government, which is described in Romans 13, beginning verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he, notice, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. That's pretty straightforward. Uh, and so I would say that the principal role of government is to... Uh, punish evildoers, to maintain justice and to punish evildoers. And Christians, in response to that, need to be submissive. Yeah. Now, a lot of people think, well, you don't know. Our government's really overstepping. It's bound. It's going too far. Do we need to remind you what the government was doing when these instructions were given? Good point. I dare say that uh, that, that it was nothing 
uh, like it is today. Much more extreme interference yeah. in personal life. We're yeah. told to submit. Yeah. Yeah. Christians are saying, I'm not going to submit. I will not yield. No, we will if we're going to be pleasing to God. That's With very, the great caveat of Acts 5.29. That, but if, if, if their rules force us to violate God's rule, we ought to obey God rather than men. I think everybody that's listening understands that. But our role is to be submissive to civil government. Convenient. What I want makes sense to me. I need to submit. Yeah. Kent is on these wavelengths. He says the concept for uh, for the existence of civil government as authorized by God is to protect society from evildoers. Romans thirteen one through seven. When civil governments act in such capacity, they are engaged in righteous activity, and are not guilty of sin. Right. So protect society from evildoers. Grant is in uh, the chat room and also gives us a good email. Same text. 13, 1 through 7. 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14. Submit yourself for for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. And he underlines that last expression, for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise of those who do right. That's what God assigned. Now, can can a government... uh, Build interstate highways. Yeah. I, I, I'm particularly fond of interstate highways when I have to make a trip. And I sure wouldn't want to go on two lane back roads to get to a distant destination. So I'm all for government doing some extra things if, if we, the electorate, choose to put them on those jobs. But their main God given job is, as Grant points out there in First Peter 2, 13 and 14, to punish evildoers and praise those that do right. Dwight says, I would say that the God-given role of civil government is to protect the people who are not doing wrong and punish those who do wrong. It, it, it was to help maintain order and give mankind a sense of security. Thayer says authority. Uh, he uses the Greek word here, exousia. Ex, exousia. Yeah. It's the power or rule of rule or government. The power of him whose will and commands must be submitted to by others and obeyed. First Timothy 2, 1 through 2, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life and all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Yeah, so notice, pray for them to do what? Act in such ways that allow us to lead quiet and peaceful lives in all godliness and reverence. So if they're doing their job, and what we ought to be praying for them to do is to do a job that allows us to quiet and peaceably serve God as we believe we're instructed to do in the pages of Scripture. So it's a God-given responsibility, and if they're going to do it, then they need folks to accomplish the work, and that gets us into question two, can that be a Christian? Okay, now... So I think we I think we're all on the same page about what what is the main principal role that God has given governments to do. Can a Christian serve in any capacity in a civil government? In other words, we're not now we're, we're not ready to talk about the the military question specifically just yet, but w- would the the scripture justify Christians serving in uh some government capacity so well like a, like a garbage collector garbage collector road paver uh tax collector uh and and, and i'm going to say yes you could serve in government because we have examples of those who did and were not told to repent for instance in acts chapter 8 the ethiopian eunuch was a treasure was the treasurer of the country of ethiopia 
And and there's no indication that Philip, when he taught him the gospel and baptized him into Christ, said, now, when you get back home, you, you're going to have to get out of that job because Christians cannot serve in government. There was no indication of that. Uh, in Romans 16, verse 23, it mentions Erastus, who was the chamberlain of the city. Uh, and we understand, and maybe some newer translations actually call him the treasurer or director of public works. Uh, so, uh, again, we have an example of, uh, of Christians uh, who were not told that they needed to repent of their participation. I think this is kind of interesting. In Luke chapter 3, this is when people were coming to John the Baptist. Luke chapter 3, verse 3, then came into all the country round about Jordan, uh, then came John into all the country round about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, saying, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. And so the publicans came to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said to them, exact no more than that which is appointed to you. Now he's going to have a word for the soldiers as well. But notice he didn't tell the publicans who were the tax collectors. He didn't tell them, uh, you, you got to be finding a new line of work, buddy. Because you're supporting the government. You're supporting the government. You're doing government work. And, and a person who's going to be right with God cannot be involved in doing government work. He didn't say that. He just said, do it right, do it fairly, do it justly. Uh, and so I would argue from those, from those, uh, 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 examples and instructions that yes, uh, a, a Christian, a person trying to please God could serve in a government role. Now, the big question is, would that extend to, and our follow up is, would that extend to the military and and especially if the military is engaged in punitive actions? Uh, we're we're up against a break, Dave. Let's take our first break. When we come back, let's 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 try to specify: Would the allowance of working for the government include the military or the police or those who are enforcing justice and punishing? Remember, we said the the job of civil government is to punish evildoers. Could a Christian be in a role that does that exactly? Punishes evildoers, punishes them. In other words, acts as a punitive agent. Okay, don't go anywhere. We're going to get to that on the other side. The Virtual Bible State continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. Here's a quick thought. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James 4, verse 7. If you're feeling like Satan is getting the best of you, then do as James says. Submit to God. Hold out against the devil, and God promises Satan will flee from you. Now that's a promise that brings peace. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. It's always too soon to quit. If you get up one time more than you fall, you will make it through. Never give up. Keep your thoughts and your mind always on the goal. Man, wish I'd said that. 
And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. Talking on the program tonight about Christians in the military. Can Christians be in the military? We talked about government, that it is authorized by God. God wants governments to exist and that God uh, wants governments to be establishing law and order, punishing evildoers, and that Christians can serve in government. We have examples of that, uh, Christians being involved in civil service. Now can uh, we take that to the next step and talk about the military? Okay, let's, uh, so let's go back to examples. A great example is Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, who was a Roman soldier. He's described initially, we won't take time to read those well-known verses, but he's described initially as a really good person. He was in, he was a, he was an officer. He was a centurion. He was over a, a hundred man, uh, uh, the Italian band. And I don't think they were playing trumpets and trombones. Uh, but he, he they was. They don't play it. What do they play in Italy? The, the, maybe accordion or something? Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what they were playing. Okay. Uh, but, uh, he, he was, and, and when he, was baptized into Christ when he was, when he became a Christian. There was no indication he was told you got to quit that. And then another example in Acts is that Acts 16, the Philippian jailer. Mm-hmm. Now he had actually done an unright. He had been involved in an unrighteous act in punishing Paul and Silas. But when he heard, when he learned the truth uh, and obeyed the gospel, he obviously repented of his wrongs. But there's no indication that he was told you got to quit this punitive business you can't be you can't work for the government you certainly can't work for the government in punishing people now you gotta if you're going to punish people you've got to be righteous but if you're going to but it's not wrong to be in that role i would use cornelius and the philippian jailer as a couple of examples and i would go back to that text when when the when the jews were going out to john to be baptized of him and and uh Luke chapter 3, along about verses 13 and 14, says, The soldiers likewise demanded of John, saying, What shall we do? And he said to them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any of falsely, and be content with your wages. Again, no instruction to stop being soldiers, but just do it right. You know, uh, be proper in your conduct as a soldier. So, I, again, I would, I would... I would sort of use these as steps to a conclusion. God authorizes civil government. He he certainly authorizes civil government to be a punitive agent against evil doers. It's clear that God-fearing and God-serving people can be in government. And therefore, I would argue that that, that Christians are authorized to serve civil government as they fulfill their God-given role as punitive agents. Uh, uh, I think that would include a police officer. I think it would include a, a judge. I think it would include a juror on a trial, maybe a, a murder trial where the death penalty is in play. Uh, this is one that I think always challenges but I think, uh, and, and by the way, I'm not saying that I necessarily want to be in any of these roles. I think a Christian could be the executioner who pulls the lever on the electric chair, who turns the valve on the gas chamber, uh, who injects the, the 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 lethal poison into a person who's being put to death for his crimes. 
Now, get this real plainly. I'm not saying I want to be in that role. I'm not saying I want to do that job. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that, uh, and, and, and then of course we're going to include soldiers acting in, uh, uh, in retribution against, uh, international intruders of the peace. Uh, I, I think logically you have to say that a man cannot become by virtue of the same act or office both a minister of god for good and a sinner and remember what what romans uh chapter 13 said it says about civil government he is the minister of god uh he he uh, uh is sent uh, First Peter two says he's sent by him for the punishment of evil doers. So you you can't. It, it's a logical impossibility to say God wants evil doers to be punished, but it would be a sin to be the person who punishes the evil doers. And so I mean, and really, I I just think this is a. You have to approach this from a standpoint. We're not talking about emotions here because emotionally, I certainly wouldn't want to be an executioner. Emotionally, I'm glad that I didn't have to serve in the military and maybe be called upon to use a weapon or potentially harm or kill people. That's that's not what I want to be. But logically, you can't say that if God wants this job done, it's a sin to do the job. Logically, that's an impossible connection. Let's look at, the, again, the definition of sin. Sin is transgression of the law, 1 John 3, verse 4. So if it's wrong for a Christian to be engaged in civil government, be in the military, then it would be a transgression of the law. Yet we know that God wants the military and government to exist, and therefore it would be right for some people to be engaged in that, but not the Christian, then what you have is you have God, a law for the Christian and the non-Christian. And there's no law in the Scriptures, there's no rule in the Scripture that just applies to Christian, doesn't apply to non-Christians. Can you think of any? No. But that's. But I've that's, talked to a lot of people through the years who actually say, yes, that guy should pull the switch on the electric chair. The non-Christian. The non-Christian. But it would be wrong for a Christian to do it. That is not a logical or reasonable conclusion. And it opens Pandora's box. Exactly. If there's two different laws, yeah. uh, two different uh, expectations. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do we got here? We got the comment from Brian in the chat room. He says, there are several scenarios for military service. I think the bottom line is if the Christian is engaged in indiscriminate killing, our warfare is not of this world. I, 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 hang on to that for just a minute, Brian, because I, I, I think that's something we really want to dive into because I asked the follow-up question, is there a distinction to be drawn between an individual serving in a government's righteous punitive action versus someone participating in an unrighteous aggression on the part of a government? So the, here, here's a guy who is an obviously guilty murderer. He has been put on trial. A fair and just trial has been conducted, and he's been found guilty, and he obviously is guilty. And the sentence assigned to him is to die in the electric chair. Okay. I'm saying a Christian could pull the switch on the electric chair. I think a Christian, but here's, here's a different scenario. 
Let's say that an authoritarian government is sending out its agents to round up faithful Christians for being Christians. And they are executing them, maybe by firing quad, maybe the same electric chair. So here's a, here's a guy and his, he's arrested not for committing some horrible crime, but because he's a Christian. He's been arrested because he's a Christian. And they say, put him to death, put him in an electric chair, pull the switch. Well, that's an unrighteous act. And I, I, I don't think a person who wants to please God could engage in that unrighteous punitive action. About being in Nazi Germany, could you have been? So make the same point about soldiering. Now this, this gets, I, I want to agree, I want to acknowledge that this gets a little fuzzier in, in description. But I, I, I believe that a Christian can serve in the military if it can be fairly determined and, and engage in warfare. And potentially engage in shooting people or firing missiles or dropping bombs. But the Christian would have to make the determination that this is, this is a righteous action. And I think the one you brought up is, in our mind, seems pretty clear. Nazi Germany was, was a violent aggressor. And so when the, when the allies, including the United States, fought against them, that seemed to be a righteous military action in opposing an evil uh, government. All right. So. All right. Uh, we've got we a, phone a phone call. call. Uh, yeah, okay. All right. We're going to go up to uh, Vermont, I think, right? We're going to Vermont, and let's do this here. Uh, let's get it on here. Um, I think we have Jeanette on the phone. Jeanette. Yes. Welcome, Welcome to the Virgin Bible Study. Yep. Thanks for calling tonight. Have we got her? I think we do. Yep. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, Go ahead Jeanette. You're on the air. Okay. Um, I have to disagree with you that a Christian, you know, should should can go ahead and kill people um, as a soldier because when um, when what's her, what's his name was talking John the Baptist mm-hmm. when he was talking to the soldiers he said do no violence to any man. I mean, killing them is violent. Sure. <laughs> Let's face it, you know. Yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying exactly, but I I believe the the idea of violence would be un, injustice. Uh, the the idea of that violence would be unfair or unjust action. Uh, whereas, if a it doesn't if, say that, it it doesn't make a. a you know, I, I knew a man who was a, um, he'd become a Christian. He was a police officer, and he argued with everybody that he could be a police officer and that it was okay. So he he kept being a police officer until he came face-to-face with almost killing a guy. Yeah. He was going to fire the gun but didn't do it, and he said, I can't do that. God doesn't want me to go around killing people. It says, do no violence to any man. Okay. Well, I understand that position, Jeanette. I disagree with the conclusion because I think if you take that position, then you, you are in, you are in the dilemma that we were describing a minute ago, wherein you got a job that God wants done, but you're saying it's a sin to do the job that God wants done, and that's a logical impossibility. Okay. Now, wait a minute. But when he was talking to the uh, uh, the soldiers, these soldiers were coming and they were repenting. 
Well, you know, so there, that's a little bit of a difference. I don't and, see it. I honestly don't see it, Jeanette. Look, look, I mean, look, look, does God want government to bear the sword, Jeanette? Yeah, he, he does. He does. But that doesn't mean Christians have to do it. That's, but that's, again, the dilemma that we have here, that God wants something done, but it's a sin for a Christian to do that. How could that be? How could it be a violation? It'd be in co- accordance with God's will, and yet a Christian would be sinning or violating God's will when he did it. That's what we. That's where so, we have that, that's that's why, did, we're, that's why, we're why did John we have, the Baptist say that then? Why did he tell him, because do the no violence sol- to any man? Because Roman soldiers were particularly guilty. If, if we study the history of how the Romans treated the occupied uh, peoples of the various territories like Judea, they were harsh and mean and unjust and unfair. They were very typically doing violence un- unfairly. And so I think we have to harmonize that statement. Uh, he didn't say stop being a soldier. He said stop doing what I what I would describe as uh, well, I think uh, unjust that when, violence. When, when, the, when the soldiers, um, you know, when they, they have to go out and they have to fight, and John the Baptist says this, do no violence to any man. I think that is a uh, uh, an indication that they need to quit that job. Because, see, that's what our, my need, friend, the police I, officer, did. I, I, he quit well, his job. And I could certainly respect his, judge, his, his conscience and judgment in that. But I think that you would have to say, when John the Baptist says, do no violence, he means do no violence unjust or sinful violence he's telling them to repent you can't really see to me you're taking that out of context well jeanette here because uh, they uh, came uh, to john the baptist they wanted to repent jeanette and i harold is down in alabama he's listening to you here tonight and he's commented in the chat room he says the idea of violence is better translated in other versions of the bible as intimidate that's the new king james version or take money New American Standard uh, version. So what he says is that the idea is extortion, and so maybe that maybe there's a an issue here. Maybe, with, maybe that with, would help, Jeanette. Look at look at uh, uh, the New King James version uh, says in, uh, intimidate, and the New American Standard version says don't take money. So they were doing they were doing unjust. They were being things. bullies. It sounds like yeah. Hey, we've got to run on. We got to run on, Jeanette. We uh, we get your point, and we appreciate it, and we respect it. We're not we're, okay, uh, but remember, Jesus. I mean, they were also saying, "Do not kill." Yeah, we're, we're going to get that. That's what soldiers do. Yeah, we're going to talk about. Stay on that. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Thanks, 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 thanks really for your call. Appreciate the call, Jeanette. Uh-huh. Bye bye. All right, the line's open now. If you'd like to call and jump in, eight seven or nine three one three eight one four five six seven. Love to hear from you on the phone. Appreciate Jeanette for that call. We're going to get a break of this bullet point. Give you the time to jump on the line. Uh, what do you think? Is it possible, as uh, Dwight has posed in the chat room, only, only non-Christians can do the punishing or bear the sword? Non-Christians uh, cannot. Non-Christians can. Christians cannot. Is that the conclusion that we need to draw here? Let us know your thoughts. This week's Bullet Point, and we're back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. A man, a brother in Christ, has slipped away and fallen seriously into sin. Though he was once growing and active in the Lord's service, now he is distant, unconcerned, and clearly pursuing a different agenda. 
His brethren see his condition. They are aware of the spiritual danger he is in. All signs point to the fact that he is heading down a path to eternal ruin. Out of love for his soul and with knowledge of their own duty in such matters, Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2, his brothers and sisters in Christ reach out to this erring one. They are crushed to think that one who once worked hand in hand with them in the Lord's service could now be so alienated from them and God. They humbly try to encourage him, reminding him of things he already knows but has chosen to ignore. They plead with him to, quote, Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee, unquote. Acts 8, verse 22. And what is the response from this brother in desperate need of rescue? Too often the response is one of bitter animosity and resentment. Instead of looking inwardly and humbly admitting his sins, he lashes out at those who are trying to help him. He has harsh words of criticism and disdain for them. His effort is to deflect attention away from his own sins and place focus on what he perceives as the failings of others. What this man fails to realize is that he never had such good friends as these fellow Christians who are committed to help him and restore him to a right relationship with God. It would have been easier, much easier, to look the other way and ignore the situation altogether. Let him go. Clear his name off the church roll. Proceed as nothing significant has happened. But love will not allow this. He is a brother, a friend, and they cannot, will not, let him go without a fight for his soul. Truly, he never had such friends as these. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program. Reminding this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at collegeu.com. And there's a YouTube channel out there, College U Livestream. Got to hear from Kyle on that. Looks good, Kyle. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of good studies going on. There's a fantastic study in the Philippians on Wednesday night. So it's... All kinds of stuff on there. So yeah. check it College out. College Live Stream. Remember, we got two channels here. We got the virtual Bible study channel that you're watching if you're watching the program either live tonight or or in an archived version of it later. But we got a whole separate channel called College View Livestream that has our sermons, two sermons a week and two Bible classes a week. So tons of information out there. And we've got a good discussion going on on this channel right now. That's about the military and can a Christian serve in the military. Grant in the chat room says, my conscience would not allow me to throw the switch. Um, and uh, that's uh, definitely something to be mindful of is your conscience. One of the things you got to think about as you think about throwing the switch is, do I know that this person really is guilty of death? Could I, could I be certain enough to know that I was doing the right thing? Uh, All these things that need to factor into that. But uh, and I'm, and I'm, uh, we're talking, we're we're talking theoretical. Yeah, we're talking about the principle. We're not talking about. We're talking about the ideal yeah, world. We're, yeah, we're not talking about whether we as individuals. I'm I'm with you, Grant. I'm, I don't want to pull the switch either. I don't want to be a soldier in a foxhole with a rifle shooting across and shooting at a guy on the other side of the front and potentially. I don't want to do that either. And so we're not talking about what our druthers are. We're talking about the principle, is it authorized? That's the main issue. Eric says, I'm with you, Grant. I get, I'm, in fact, I guess I'm one of the few Christians who don't really support capital punishment as there is no hope after that for repentance and turning to Christ for salvation. Well, that's true. There's no hope for it, but it is, we, have to, we have to admit it's authorized. Because yeah, you, know, you brought up that expression there in Romans chapter 13, uh, which says, He beareth not the sword in vain. Uh, you know that that, in, that indicates that God authorizes the government to use physical force 
to accomplish its purposes. He beareth not the sword in vain. And even uh, when when the Apostle Paul was under arrest, but unjustly under arrest, remember he when he appealed his case to Caesar, uh, uh, he says in Acts chapter 25, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof these accuse me, no man may may deliver me unto them. I appeal to Caesar. So even in that statement, the Apostle Paul justified Capital punishment. Uh, uh, he says it was legitimate. He said he wasn't guilty of it, but it, it was legitimate. It's a legitimate thing. So again, I'm, I don't want to be the executioner. Uh, well, Harold is on the same page there. He says Paul said if he had done anything worthy of death, he feared not to do it. Acts twenty five eleven. Paul nor Jesus uh, never opposed the death penalty. Okay. All right. Uh, Brian in California says, God called Nebuchadnezzar a servant. His out- actions, outcomes produced the will of God. I believe that in regard, we can see an expedient at work, but a Christian's actions might be righteous th- must be righteous throughout. In fact, Jehovah would later punish those leaders whom he used to discipline Israel. I believe it is tenuous to say, if so and so can do it, so can a Christian. Well, the, uh, I think this goes to the, the the point that I was trying to make earlier about in your own heart and mind, you're going to have to make a determination, is this a righteous punitive action or not? Whether it be the policeman or the jailer or whether it be the soldier, is he is this is this action a, a righteous action? Uh, for instance, I don't think a Christian could have served in Hitler's Nazi army. Because they were violent aggressors, and I don't think a Christian could participate in that. So, I, I I understand that it may be hard to make those determinations a lot of times. But again, remember what we're doing. We're we're, we're not we're not arguing. You know, could could a soldier fight in World War II, but he couldn't have fought in Vietnam or something? We're well, ju- we're just trying to establish the the baseline. The in an ideal world, and yeah. in, in in today's world, how would you know if it's a righteous? Yeah. Conflict or not, with I mean, the propaganda machine is going to be cranked up on both sides. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, going to make it really hard. And and there's some other considerations to take into that account as well. But we're just saying, and 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 again, you're going to have to deal with the logic of this statement. If it's a job that God wants done, how can we say it's a sin to do? What is the definition of sin? Sin is the violation of the will of God. So if it is the will of God that this be done, how could it possibly be a sin to do what God wants done? A nine three one three eight one four five six seven is the number to call. I know there's a lot of folks out there that want to talk tonight. Yeah, yeah. Come on, nine three one three eight one four five six seven. It's faster than typing. <laughs> let's talk real quick. Let's go real quick to the next point. What has been God's consistent rule through the ages on killing? Real easy. That's simple. In the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 13, thou shalt not kill. But we know that they did kill. They were instructed to kill. And so actually that should properly be understood. Thou shalt do no murder. Right. Romans 13, verse 9, for this thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal and so forth. Uh, So on it goes. Again, that should rightly be translated murder. It should be understood at least as murder. All 
murder is killing, not all killing is murder. And God has always said, do no murder. Yeah. Let's read our emailers real quick, Jacob. All right. Uh, let's go to um, Mohan. Um, just as a generic answer to if a Christian can serve in the military, since military is meant to protect uh, the country, there should not be anything wrong in and of itself. However, the Christian has to consider the potential ungodly environment and see if they can refrain, <laughs> remain faithful in such an environment. Constant confrontation on other people using bad language may be a big issue. I appreciate that. There's, so there are lots of things to consider. I think that's where the conscience comes in. You know, I, I couldn't conscientiously do that because I think it would be too much of a challenge to my faith. Yeah. Uh, yeah, appreciate that. Uh, Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, uh, to the question, um, can uh, can Christians serve in civil government? Yes, such is the case due to the fact that all individuals are amenable to the law of Christ. It cannot be possible, according to the scriptures, for it to be right for non-Christians to act as agents for civil governments and sinful for Christians to engage in the same yeah, capacity. And, and just and we can we we need to jump on, but he goes into some examples of that. Yeah. Uh, he, but he does say if civil governments act unrighteously or sinfully toward individuals, then it is the case that it would be sinful for for both non-Christians and Christians to act as punitive agents in those specific circumstances. In regards to the killing question, he says, in all dispensations, patriarchal mosaic and gospel, the type of killing that is not authorized by divine law is that of murder. By the same line of thought, while murder is certainly sinful, the taking of human life in the punishment of evildoers, in self-defense, or in the protection of innocent individuals is not classified as the sin of murder and therefore is not sinful. Considering the teaching of scriptures limited to those three areas, no biblical principle is violated. And Grant says, yes, there would be many roles a Christian could fulfill that would uh, not conflict with him being a Christian. For example, the program manager for a space mission to Mars or an employee working in the Justice Department, name a few. In the question of whether a Christian could serve in the role of a punitive agent, I would say no. Romans 12, verse 19 says, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says Lord. And Hebrews 10, verse 30 says, uh, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. God has established civil government to punish the evildoers, and I would leave it up to civil government without any But, but here's the point. Now, I, gotta, I love Grant to pieces, and all to pieces, and but i got to respectfully disagree with him here. When the government... It, it acts to punish evildoers. That is God's vengeance. They are exercising. That's not my personal vengeance. If I was the guy who pulled the switch, and I don't want to be that guy on the electric chair, I would not be taking personal vengeance. That would be the government exercising God's vengeance. That's a big difference right there. Grant says, I see no distinction between being drawn... Drawn, I see no distinction being drawn between an individual serving in government's righteous punitive action versus someone participating in an unrighteous aggression on the part of the government. In many situations, one may not be able to determine whether the action falls into the category of righteous or unrighteous. That's and we agree true. With that. that is true. I mean, it's a tough call, and that's why, I and that's one of the big reasons why I wouldn't want to make that call. I'm glad to be able to stay out of that. On the idea of murder versus killing. He says, I assume you're referring to Exodus 20, verse 13, which says, thou shalt not murder. Uh, and so Grant's uh, referencing a translation there. who Actually uh, says in the yeah. Ten Commandments, thou shalt do no murder. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and he gets some, some lengthy uh, stuff here on uh, word studies here for that. Um, 
But he says, I believe the, an agent of the government who kills a person is not in violation of this principle. Again, see Romans 13, 1 through 7. I just don't believe that a Christian should be acting in that capacity in civil government. Now, again, we've got a contradiction. If the government is not violating the principle of thou shalt not murder, then why would it be wrong for a Christian? Christian yeah. If they're not violating the principle, then the Christian wouldn't be violating the I principle. I think that's right. I think that's right. That's the logic we have to to, to reach. All right, Dwight says, um, I believe people can serve in civil government roles as long as what you do, practice, and say is all in accordance with God's law and that you do not violate your own conscience. Some may say that if one joined the armed forces knowing you would not be able to serve and worship God on the first day of the week, that would be sinful, then don't put yourself into that situation. Yeah, there's other considerations besides just the violence question, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah we're talking, we're, yeah. So could I be the one to inject someone with a drug to stop their heart if someone were on death row? Could I be on a jury and convict someone to death? If this person committed the crime and death was the right judgment, then yes, I believe I could. Uh, yeah, yes, Paul, Paul said, if I've done anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. Grant, or, sorry, Dwight says, yes, I believe there's a difference in the punitive action versus right, unrighteous aggression. If police are acting within their rights or line of duty where they have to maybe shoot someone to protect others, then it is right within the law. If a police officer abuses their rights or authority to hurt someone out of personal aggression, that is not right according to man's law and God's law. And again... And in that role, you have a, a, a temptation that, for instance, I don't have. If you're a policeman, and I think I think you're fully justified to serve as a policeman, but you have to make judgment calls relative to that job that I thankfully don't have to make. Yeah. But it's we that that's just that's just a matter of personal choice and and so forth. Dwight says God's word says thou shalt not kill. That's commit murder. Taking someone's life without just cause. Taking one's life without just cause versus inflicting just punishment are two different things, I believe. Punishment is one thing for those deserving of it, but to hurt another just because you can or you want to is wrong. And that said, we ourselves in this country don't have the right to inflict judgment. That's left up to the courts of law. Okay. All right. Thank you, Dwight. Let's grab our last break. When we come back, we got to ask that question. Uh, well, if I'm to love my enemies and be peaceful and avoid personal vengeance, would serving in the military or as a policeman, would, would it, would it cause me to violate those principles of personal conduct that are described? And we had so much fun with our first caller. We need another caller tonight. 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com or in the chat room. We're back right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931 381 Four five six seven. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. 29% of Americans ages 18 through 25 are counted as having some type of mental disorder. Overall, 54% of those surveyed acknowledge some degree of emotional fragility or even mental illness. 
75% say they lack meaning and purpose in life. Only one-third claim to believe in God. 39% identify as LGBTQ. That information is via the Christian Post. The Word of God says in Romans 1, beginning verse 21, They glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program, going to the top of the hour, talking about uh, military and can Christians serve the military. You know, I was thinking about this, we're asking for callers. Back when we started this program, you would have to lose your Internet connection to call because you were connected to the Internet over the phone. You know, you can still listen and call, and that's what Harold has done from down in, I guess you're in Troy, aren't you, Harold? Troy, Alabama. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Hi, guys. Thank you. Hey, Harold. Great. To, thanks for calling. We appreciate your comments tonight, Harold, uh, in the chat room. And, and, you, and you just put, Harold, you just put in the chat room, I think, a fair question. Could one call the police on someone? In other words, here's a guy, he's breaking into my house, and he's armed. He's obviously armed. He's a violent aggressor, and he's breaking into my house. Could I call the police knowing the possibility that they might have to shoot and kill that guy? And Harold asked yeah. the question, if, if, I, if not, why not? Good question, Harold. And, you know, and I think that's a question that really kind of applies to a lot of the things that have been brought up. I understand what a lot of people are saying. And, of course, I, I'm like y'all. I wouldn't want to be in some of those situations. But, you know, as far as Romans 13, well, yeah, the, God says that's okay. Well, if God says that that's okay, that that's righteous, then why could not a Christian be involved in that righteous process? And if he, if you couldn't pull the switch, could you be on the jury? What's the difference? Yeah, what's the difference? You know, I mean, where do you stop being involved in the process? Or do we just abstain mm -hmm. from any involvement in government, any involvement in the laws of the land? And I don't see how we can stay one without the other. I think I, I you're right. I think it becomes almost an impossible. For instance, another example, Harold, what if I observed, I was a witness to a murder? Could I give testimony in a trial? knowing that my testimony likely will result in that guy being convicted and executed? Or would I just have to refrain and say, I, 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 can't, I can't testify, I can't tell what I saw? I mean, That's really, how far back are you going to withdraw from this business of punitive action? I believe those are fair questions that we need to consider. And I, I do not believe that we as Christians should abstain from the, the, the process entirely. So... You know, if one domino falls, I, I wonder how we're going to prevent the other ones from falling as well. But, guys, I appreciate it. These are, these, these, this is an excellent study. I appreciate y'all very Thank, much. Thanks, Harold. Yeah, thanks good for to hear from you, Harold. Thanks for calling tonight. Yes, sir. All right. I appreciate that. And we're, the line's open if you want to jump in before the top of the hour. And, and Eric makes a comment in the chat room that we need to, we need to echo as well. He said, "I would never fault anyone for not violating their conscience. We're not, we're not, we're not encouraging that." Yeah, we said that at the start too, and we're very much on the same page there. But we're looking at at this logically, and again, we're talking ideal world scenario. There's going to be a lot of scenarios that you'd be in in the real world that would be questionable and challenging. But just on paper, could a Christian serve in the military? From the scriptures, the answer appears to be an obvious yes. So here's the question. Here's the next question. We've got to deal with this quickly. Uh, Christians are supposed to love their enemies, be peaceful, follow the golden rule, be merciful, avoid taking personal just, uh, vengeance. 
So would would acting as a as a punitive agent of the government would it, would would I be violating those principles of personal conduct that I'm supposed to adhere to as a Christian? Well, remember that we're not we're talking about what the government may do and what servants or agents of the government may do, not what I might do as an individual. So here's an example. Someone breaks into my house and 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 violently harms one of my family members. It'd be wrong. It'd be sinful for me to grab a gun and go out and hunt that person down and kill him. But it would be right for me to expect the government to go out and hunt him down and convict him in a court of law and execute him. So the question is, is it, we're not talking about is that it's never right for me to, to, to seek personal vengeance. It's never right. But God's vengeance can be done. And, and, and in that context, I think it's really interesting there in Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, it says, verse 19, this is right near the end of chapter 12. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And then he goes, in the very next paragraph, he goes into saying that civil government is his minister, and it bears not the sword in vain. The civil government is the agent enforcing God's vengeance. It's not my vengeance, it's God's vengeance. Well, Harold in the chat room says it's the difference between vengeance and justice. One is vengeance, the other is justice. Yeah, exactly right. Good point. Okay. Um, all right, here's what... Here's what uh, Kent says. The New Testament of Christ does not require does require us to love our enemies, be peaceful, follow the golden rule, be merciful, and avoid personal vengeance. However, participating in the military would not necessarily cause a Christian to violate the law of Christ in the above stated areas. While certainly a Christian could commit sin in those areas, such would be the case only if they violated New Testament teaching in those areas. However, if one in the military were acting in a justified manner, of the punishment of evildoers, defending oneself or protecting innocent individuals, no sin would be committed in acting in such a manner. While certainly we must love all individuals, there's no teaching found in Scripture either explicitly or implicitly that it indicates that we are to love evildoers to a greater degree than we love our families, innocent individuals, or, or ourselves. As a matter of fact, if one does not provide for his own, especially of his own house, he's denied the faith is worse than an infidel. First Peter Timothy 5, verse 8. This principle is inclusive in all areas that it necessitates making proper provision for others. Um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, here's the thing. I wanted to make this point, too, and, and something that Kent said there reminded me of this. You know, I think that a Christian probably is going to make a pretty poor soldier. Because what's a soldier trained to do? A, a, a soldier is trained to hate his enemies and kill with a vengeance. And a Christian can't do that. That's part of the training is to get into your head and cause you to think that way. And so I think a Christian would probably make a a pretty poor soldier in 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 a warfare type situation. Uh, A lot of a lot of soldiers never you know pick up a gun and uh, and 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 act in a in a combative role. But I'm saying in in a do or die death struggle, I think a Christian probably be a pretty pretty poor candidate for a soldier all right uh, grant says in many cases i would say yes the overall mission of the military is to de- deploy fight and win our nation's wars as an individual advances in rank he or she is becoming is continuing to develop his or her 
war fighting capability. The whole career objective is contrary to the development of the Christian virtues. And that's what I was just saying. I think Grant and I agree on that. There, it's going to be hard to be a great soldier and be a great Christian. And Grant right? knows personally, Grant was in the military. He says yeah. there would be a constant struggle between the military career and the development of the Christian life, that given there are many non-combatant roles in the military that a Christian could perform. Yeah, yeah Grant, uh, Grant, Grant faced those challenges when he became a Christian. I know from personal experience talking with him, that he had to make a decision that it wasn't the life that he could lead as a Christian. And I think in, in, in practice, many would make the same. But yeah. we're talking about... And, and I'm there. I, yeah, I, right. That's why I would never want to be. Right. Uh, Dwight says, I believe we need to love all people, even times of war. It is possible to violate, violate these principles depending on a person's attitude towards another country or race. We need to guard ourselves in this area no matter if one is in the military or police or any position. Now, that's a good point. You know, we the, the government wants us many times to hate those on the other side, and we've got to love them even if we are in war with them. Okay. Uh, even in the civilian world. Thank okay. you for that, Dwight. Here's here's the last question, and we have to rush through this. But so here here's two countries at war, and there's Christians fighting on this side. And there's Christians fighting on that side. We got Christians shooting bullets and firing rockets at each other. Christian fighting Christian. How uh, that's uh, and that's posed as proof of the fact that Christians couldn't be soldiers because it it would potentially put them in a position to be fighting other Christians. Well, I would I would fall back on the answer that I gave earlier. I think a Christian has to make a determination: is this a righteous action? Is this a righteous, punitive action being taken by the part of my government? If it is, I think I could be engaged in it. And that being the case, then the the, the army that I'm fighting against is in an unrighteous position. And if there's a Christian serving in that army, then he's in a he's in a bad place. Uh, and so, I don't think. In other words, it would not be the case that we have. Two Christians both engaged in righteous activity fighting against each other. And so I think that has to be – I mean, it's tough. Oh, man, you talk about a tough thing. That's a tough thing, but I think that would have to be the answer. Here's what Kent says. Individuals serving as punitive agents for civil governance may act so only when their cause is righteous. In the case of Christians fighting Christians, someone would be guilty of sin. Both sides cannot be righteous. Only those fighting for a righteous cause would not be guilty of sin. It is certainly possible that in some cases both sides would be engaged in an unrighteous or unjustified cause, and therefore punitive agents on both sides would be guilty of sin. Possibly so, yeah. Grant says, I don't believe there is a good answer to this objection. As citizens in the spiritual kingdom of Christ, John 18.36, we have citizens throughout the world, and our allegiance is first to the kingdom of Christ. Additionally, God is in control of the rise and fall of nations, Acts 17.26, and the Bible teaches us that God may send a more unrighteous nation to bring judgment on a less righteous, unrighteous nation. So we could be in a position in which Christians are fighting against another nation, but in reality they are fighting against God. Okay. And then Dwight says, uh, good question. We don't necessarily know who is who, another Christian when at war. We are trying to defend ourselves, our country, and each other. Now, that's a tough, and I think, that's a, I think that that question, that objection, probably highlights just how difficult making those judgments would be. And, you know, and, and for that reason, I'm, I'm in the camp of people who are saying I'm grateful that I was never called upon to make that choice. All right. Two more comments from the chat room. Harold says, I wonder, and I'm just asking, does Romans 13 include war on other nations or citizens within that government? I ask this because of 
the other verses which speak to our responsibility toward the civil government in which we live. So he's saying, would you, could you could you reasonably use Romans 13 in a discussion of United States fighting Germany, for instance? Uh, that's that's a good question. I don't uh, maybe for another time. And Brian says, when you take the oath of your commission, giving allegiance to the president, does a Christian make a qualified assent to what he or she is swearing? How a good brother in the uh, California, California Highway, Highway Patrol, Patrol stopped yeah. attending during the height of the pandemic. He'd come and sit and back and take an hour off duty. He stopped coming altogether. Told me that in this uniform, I'd have to endorse the enforce the governor governor's order and cite all of us for not wearing a mask. It's such a conundrum. Yeah, there's really a lot of tough scenarios out there. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting one for sure. So it's, it gets down to a personal decision. But yes. we think the principles are are clear. Yeah, that we were theory. trying to we were trying to define the principles. Application is up to each person there, and your personal conscience. And and again, we want to be careful, respectful, uh, uh, certainly urging people to honor their own conscience in these sort of questions. We were just trying to define the the, the underlying foundational principles kyle i haven't even looked at you tonight we have it's been a great discussion lots of listener participation which has made it better but uh kyle yeah. what, what about your thoughts it's, tonight? it's i love these types of studies that make us think and dive into it's it is a very it's a difficult subject and it's something that we all have to take our own conscience into effect so i think you're like like brian you said if you sign on to that you'll be you'll be if you sign up for a government position in the state or national, you're assigning yourself to the whims of that government. So that's, that's, a, that's a dangerous you got, position you gotta to take be that, You definitely got to take that so, in consideration. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Good I agree. point. Kyle, thanks for being here tonight. It was a good study. Yeah, thanks yeah, Thanks for the listeners. It's been a wonderful oh, yeah, we had great participation. That, that, that's I had a little more so than I fun. thought, maybe. I knew it would be a heated discussion, maybe, but I, a little bit more than I thought. Yeah, it was really good. I love it when we get our listeners involved. Yeah, it makes it better. All right. Well, thank you for being on the other end of the line tonight, Dad. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Jay. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.